Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Season 2 of the Profile Podcast. My name is Graves, and joining me today is Call of Duty pro player Dylan Attach Price from the world-famous FaZe Clan. traveling you're doing man yeah thank you for having me um always always gonna find time always gonna find time to do a podcast you know yeah i appreciate that man this one's been a uh it's been a struggle you know i started with uh with silly and clay and things kind of tapered off and you know cdl or i'm sorry world league got busy yeah so yeah but uh for anybody that content around that time amen everybody's uh grinding scrimming yep but uh, I want to clear one thing up for Reddit. I don't know if this is going to make it on the uh, the competitive subreddit post. That guy that, you know, won the giveaway and didn't get anything. There's proof yeah. right here. Right here. And Dylan comes through on his giveaways. He's a man of his word. So, yeah, no, what was, you heard. That was actually kind of entertaining. I was literally at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. And then my dad's like, did you see this post on Reddit? I was like, yeah. I was like, no, cause I just don't have Reddit on my phone. I never really go on it. But, uh, I, he showed me, I was reading all of it. And then he actually sent me, he was on phone with the UPS for like a couple hours trying to like get them to show like the shipment and stuff. Cause he had like the date and it showed what, like it showed the weight and like how much it costs to ship and whatever, blah, 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 the date. And, uh, the guy I reached out to him on Reddit and he just didn't give me his name. He didn't give me his name. After I reached out to him, I messaged him. Um, what's it called? I posted on the Reddit. My other friend, one of my mods even messaged him, started talking to him and he still hasn't like given his name. So, I mean, I want to give him a monitor if he didn't get it, but I know for a fact we did ship it out. If it didn't get shipped out, I don't care. I'll give him a couple hundred bucks, like <laughs> a couple hundred bucks isn't worth ruining my reputation over. And I've given away a lot in giveaways easily over ten thousand dollars in giveaways jeez um, it's it's uh it's just fun something fun to do Keeps me <laughs> yeah i mean i looked back at the post i saw you know originally what was up there because that's all i do is live on reddit i was like nah <laughs> there, there's no way this is true and then uh, i go back and look and i saw i think you had a screenshot where you had like the tracking number and all that stuff so i go back yeah. to the subreddit to see if the post is still there and it was gone homeboy deleted yeah, everything it was weird. And I mean, if it, even if he still didn't get it, like all he has to do is tell me his name, then I could contact UPS with his actual info and get it all sorted. But he still has a message to me. So I don't know if he's a line. I don't know what he just disappeared off the face of the earth. So, yeah, everybody wants sure. a little bit of that clout. That's all it is. Yeah, it's dangerous. <laughs> But uh, back, back to Call of Duty. I mean, I just want to get that out there. I know this is a uh, very small platform, but do nah, a little nah, bit I can. Platform. No matter the size of the platform. Amen, brother. Now, I'm looking at, uh, at least from my knowledge, like with competitive Call of Duty, I got into it back in heavily MW2. 
Mm-hmm. I think once Ghosts was the uh, title, I kind of like tapered off and got back yeah. into it during Advanced Warfare. So that's when I learned of you. But you were competing years prior to Advanced Warfare, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've been playing Call of Duty since like COD 4. But I actually started competing. I went to my first major event uh, in Black Ops 2. So that was my first major event. And then I went to... I traveled for the first time at the end of Black Ops 2 to UMG Dallas. That was the first time I ever took a plane anywhere. So gaming has uh, taken me to a lot of places, which is awesome. Super thankful for that. And who was the, uh, the team that you played with first? Was it a, uh, a major org? Was it just like a pickup team of you and uh, a bunch of friends? At uh, Black Ops 2, I actually found a team like the day before the tournament. And it was uh, Kalani, who was like a pro back in the day. He's one of my really good friends. Nihil, who um, if you've been in the COD communities... Uh, yep. For the past couple of years, you've heard of uh, and then this guy named Fnatic who used to play back in the day in like COD 4, like way back when um, a couple of the other pro players know him just because he was playing way back when, when uh, all of them did. But that was my first team. So I literally got it uh, the day before Anaheim. And that probably that, that definitely changed my life. If I didn't go to Anaheim and play with the team, I don't know what I'd be doing right now. So that definitely changed my life. Man, what is it about Anaheim that it's that's the event? You know, there's countless other events that could, you know, be someone's jump off point. But Anaheim has that stigma of being the Call of Duty event. Um, it has to do with a lot of things. I mean, California is just better than any other place that we've had an event before so far. Big facts. So it's, just, it's just the weather's better. Um, the food is better. The arena that we get to play at, the Anaheim Convention Center, is better than any other arena we've played at at a convention center. Obviously, different arenas like the basketball arenas like Amway Center and the Forum, that's different. But like Anaheim for a base event that we've had for years and years is always the biggest event because it's the biggest convention center. And uh, it's just California. Like you can't beat California. <laughs> Actually, there might be one other place that, that gets close to it, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, it's just Anaheim. Like You just can't beat it. I think the only place that gives Anaheim a run for its money has got to be London. And that's strictly because of the crowd. Oh, well, that's because of the fans. Yeah. I mean, that's just because that's strictly like London's a cool place. I love it. But that's strictly just because of the fan support. They are crazy. Yeah, yeah. In the United States, they definitely aren't. They're passionate. Definitely not as passionate and as open to showing it. It's just uh, just how we are over here. We're we're not very open from time from time to time. And then the UK, there you go. Wild. Even there, like, there's. <laughs> In different countries, they are super open and super into it and super passionate and have no regrets. So the London crowd is insane. Uh, the Paris crowd a couple of years back was insane as well. Like, I love going out there to play and just because they just have fun. They drink, they chant, they support Call of Duty. Obviously, they have their favorite teams and all, but they're going to support Call of Duty just in general. I forgot all about that Paris event. That was, uh, but you, were, the, yeah. you were a phase and you guys went second, right? Yeah. Uh, ESW. Yeah, I think so. Actually, I don't know. I don't know if it was ESWC. I think it was the one we did bad at because I went to three ESWCs. We got I got second at one, then at the Black Ops three one I got eighth, and then the then I got second at the one in IW. So I think it was actually the Black Ops three one that was lit. Actually, the AW one was lit too. I mean, Paris is just they just have passionate fans as well. Like they go crazy. A funny story was actually we were playing in 2015 there and we we're playing against Gotaga. Like he's obviously like the hero out there mm-hmm. and he was like the French monster. And we were playing, and this is when I was on the denial team. 
and we played them and they were down like 100 150 points otaga got a two-piece and the, the crowd and the fans just went wild <laughs> while they were down 150 points just because he got a two-piece which is like dope like obviously we're sitting there like why are these guys going crazy because like they're about to lose but uh it was just dope to see like even though they're getting smoked they still like, have their players and their favorite teams back so that's, awesome. that's loyalty right there man yep. Yep. but uh speaking of foreign crowds uh you were in japan what last weekend right yeah how'd that yeah. compare to uh some of the other events that you've been to uh japan's awesome i mean it's definitely a different culture over there uh like the u.s japan people are a lot more they're a lot quiet they're not very like super outgoing and super loud and all this stuff which is okay i mean they still got hype they had like the thunder sticks uh, i'm actually uploading a vlog soon that uh, you, that shows like the event and the people getting hype and it was a good time, but they're a lot more reserved and just not too yelling, going crazy. Like they'll make sounds with their thunder sticks and clap and stuff, but they're not chanting and they're not yelling, but uh, they're super respectful people out there. Like you literally people in Japan are probably the nicest people in the world. Like it's actually crazy. That's one place. So well, one of many places I personally haven't been yet, but it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a good time. You got to go for sure. <laughs> it's on the list. But uh, one concern I have is uh, no scuffs. You, you can't import scuffs to uh, Japan. Yeah, well, no, you can actually import scuffs to Japan. The thing is, you cannot use them at tournaments. Oh, so the pro players and all the compete like amateur players, just all the players that compete over there would love to use the scuff because it's just they just would love to use one but they have scuff has to get a certain like patent or something from sony japan to like, get on the controller to make it allowed to use in the tournaments over there so you can get a scuff to japan but if you're a player in japan and you play there you cannot use it at a tournament so you're not going to want to use a scuff at home and then go to a tournament using another controller it just doesn't make sense so right no you get used to one thing yeah, I put out a tweet. Uh, I messaged a couple of my friends I know at Scuff. I called out the owner of Scuff. And, uh, <laughs> we're making a push to get uh, that patent, whatever needs to be allowed in Japan, so Scuffs can be allowed to use it. And the Scuff wants to do it. Like they want people to use Scuffs there because I mean that's a huge market, uh, and there's just it's just a dope place like Japan. Like that's a dope place to have your your uh, company uh, ship to and have people use it. So I'm sure they want to, but I'm putting the pressure on them now. That's what I like to hear, man. Making changes for yep. the people. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd think too, with, you know, uh, CDL going global, that's eventually going to be a market. You would think it's pretty dumb to pass up that opportunity. So that's kind of uh, yeah. getting ahead of the game. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I don't know where the CDL is going to take us. I know there's a uh, team in France or Paris. Um, I know there's a London team so far. Toronto. I mean, Toronto might as well be the U.S. So yeah, I don't really want that <laughs> out of the country. But uh, yeah, the two foreign teams. It, it's dope to have foreign teams in the uh, World League, and I hope hopefully there's going to be or the CDL. Gotta get used to that. Yeah, but I hope there's more for sure. <laughs> Tokyo team or a Japan team one day. That would be lit. I'm definitely leading that team. I think. Uh, was it? Yeah, it was for uh, World War II last year. I think there were a couple of uh, teams from Japan that were an open bracket. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Didn't, who was it? I want to say one of the teams made it to pools. If I'm not nah, mistaken. None, none of the, the, the Japanese teams made it to pools. Um, the only teams that have done that, like the Spanish, like Heretics, they've made it to pools a couple of times. Excuse me, through open bracket. A couple of the UK teams, but no Japanese teams yet. 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 <laughs> yeah, hopefully soon. So uh, speaking of CDL, though, I'm just going to throw this out there. And uh, I don't know if you can contractually say anything about it, but uh, you got any leads as to uh, your future in the league? Um, no, I don't have any leads. 
But, you know, I have things in the works, to say the least. Uh, I have some things in the works that are uh, done, if not very close to getting done. Or I should say it the other way, if not done yet, very close to getting done. Uh, So, yeah, I have things already planned, things already set in motion, pretty much. And uh, it's going to be an exciting next year. I'm really happy with how everything turned out. It couldn't have gone any better for me. That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. I, I see a lot of the other pros. Thank you. Like, uh, you know, Pristini just winning uh, back-to-back events and championship, struggling to find a team, so. Yeah, that's, it's, that's just it's crazy. It's a tough market. Because, I mean, he's, he's been a top player for ever since he got, broke into the scene. And uh, going back-to-back, I mean, your stock is super high, but he's definitely going to get picked up. There's just no way he's not leading a team and not getting on a top team. Like, it's just, that's crazy. Yeah, it's still... Uh, well, so I think Haggy's another one that's looking for a team. Like yeah, the names and the skill that that aren't signed, it's mind blowing. Yeah, it's uh, a lot of the leagues are going for like that tier one player, big brand to like start, and then it's going to go to the next. But there's definitely been some players who I would say deserve to get picked up as part of like the pretty much tier one packages and get into the league like that. And it's kind of surprising that some of them haven't. But I mean. Everyone that deserves to be in the league will get in the league, especially now that there's 12 teams. Yeah, and it's, they're not just capping at five. Like you've got your your five starters and what, like four or five subs. So yeah, you have Hopefully. to have two. You have to have two subscribers or to, what the fuck? Excuse <laughs> my language. Two uh, substitutes. Um, and then it's all you that September. You can have it. Yep, September is gonna be <laughs> uh, You can have as many as five substitutes, but you have to have two. Yeah, that's uh, that's what it is. Yeah. Well, we've got uh, what a few months. I think the league doesn't actually start until January, if uh, if I remember correctly. A little different this time. And this time is more traveling too. So. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of traveling, a lot of flying everywhere. I guess that's. I don't really know too much about that, but apparently we're flying to different arenas in different cities and it's going to be like an eight month season and we're going to be traveling pretty much the whole time. So definitely everyone make sure to get your frequent flyer account <laughs> flyer miles ready. Cause we're all about to get executive platinum. Jeez. Yeah. It's going to be that much travel. It's going to be but, a lot. Uh, it's going to be a lot. Looking at uh, some of the viewer questions here. Uh, good pal of mine, Cypher, uh, Cypher 715 on Twitter. Yes. Uh, how do you think franchising is going to go over for the world league in regards to building teams and the future of the amateur leagues? Uh, the building teams part is kind of just like uh, the wild, wild west right now. It's like a free for all. Everyone just try and grab some players and then build from there. That's pretty much what it is. Um, try and make players happy with their contracts and stuff. But the amateur part of that question, I honestly don't know. I know they've announced the road to pro thing, but they haven't really gone into detail about it. And I don't actually know anything about how it's going to be structured, what they're going to do with it. So that's a good question. I hope <laughs> I think, and I know that they're going to do something good. Cause if they don't call of duty will actually die. If like they don't have a good amateur scene to like bring the next generation of talent up for years to come. So I think they're, they know what they're doing enough to, have a good amateur scene i hope so that's definitely a necessity yeah and i think if they're trying to emulate overwatch league as hard as they are and should be fine especially with the past to pro and the contenders leagues if they take that yeah. model and implement it with call of duty open events pretty much won't go away since each team is supposed to have like their own locals so yeah i think the ams will be fine 
Yeah, I mean, they, they, they better be or it's going to be a really big issue. And we probably won't have jobs in Call of Duty competing for the next for years if if there aren't a next generation that could come fill our shoes. Exactly. So we got to make sure there's stability for uh, pros to the amateur scene. And then, yeah. Hey, you got to build that talent. It's got to come from somewhere. And you exactly. can't just rely on uh, S&D All-Stars on uh, game battles all the time. Yeah, he's on them for the most part, but there's going to be some other people that are going to come up too. So, so if, uh, if we can roll back the clock a little bit, let's go back to Advanced Warfare and just recap that whole year. Like, start to finish, denial, all roster changes, and then ultimately taking that ring home. Yeah, uh, it was a it was a crazy roller coaster ride of a year, especially in the beginning because we had a pretty solid team. We had uh, we got we had Zuma Saints and replays, and we got fifth of the first event. Then we got third, and then there was like a really big roster swap happening. And then Zuma and Saints ended up going to Envy, thank God. And we got Clayster and Jacob. Then we played second, second, first, and got the ring. So it worked out perfect for us. And then uh, after later in the season, when we did change back, uh, Clayster and I joined Phase alongside Zuma and Enable, and we won three more tournaments. And you teamed with Tommy. I mean, if we count uh, denial, it's like four, almost five straight years up until yeah. this year. Yeah, pretty much. Good pretty lord, much for a while. What was that like this year with you guys? You know, you going to Evil Geniuses and Tommy starting the year and not even in the league. Like, uh, how, how does that play for like the uh, the the mentality, like in your headspace? You know, uh, it was definitely. Uh crazy to see like where our team was from the last season because last season we weren't very consistent but uh we i mean we had top players we won an event last season we won the second biggest event last season got third at the world championship uh definitely could have played better but i don't want to go into that um <laughs> yeah it was just crazy to see like from last year into this year with this squad and how it didn't work out uh there was definitely things that happened which we all didn't agree on and all of this other internal issues and there's all this stuff. And then you kind of just came out when we needed to learn the game and get better. And we just didn't, and we weren't very good. So we didn't qualify for the pro league. And then we kind of all had to go our separate ways and do our separate thing. All right. All right. See that. So, uh, going back to scuff, I think the fans, well, your fans in particular, were campaigning for a while to get your uh, your custom scuff, and now it finally happened. But uh, well, what do you think the holdup with that was? Was that just them like uh, saying, "Oh, we need to see X amount of sales with your code," or yeah, or did they just like much. give you like a runaround? Yeah, they pretty much told me like, "Of oh, like people are supporting your code a lot. Like we we're gonna. That's how they kind of base it off of like if people if someone's getting their code used so much they want to get them a scuff. So they pretty much told me that. And for a couple like probably two seasons, I was like really, especially in World War Two, I was really pushing it heavy to use my code. And like uh, people were using their my code for literally anything and everything, like a little ten dollar purchase or a two hundred dollar purchase for a controller. So uh, my supporters, the attachments, they they help they have my back and now uh, have my own scuff, which is awesome. It's the dream come true because I started using scuff way back in the day, and to have my very own design now, it's. It's crazy. So I've definitely been trying to give back as much as possible. And we're actually doing a giveaway for the second weekend of the beta. So a couple of scuff giveaways uh, again. So hopefully some people are going to win. Are you doing the, uh, the giveaways on stream or uh, through YouTube? Yeah, I'm going to do one giveaway on stream. 
if I hit a certain amount of subs and then there's going to be another giveaway on Twitter, which is just for free. Like you, all you have to do is retweet, follow myself and scuff and you're good. Nice. So nice. We're planning to give away two this week. If we hit a thousand subs, we're getting close though. So, and the good thing is away one, maybe two with, uh, with it being September, all new subscribers or subscriptions are uh, 50% off. So now's the time to yep. subscribe. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I was actually kind of sad that I missed the beginning of September. I was in Hawaii on a vacation and I was just like, oh, it's September. Now. <laughs> the time that you should be streaming. But I'm in Hawaii and it was like Hawaii was awesome. But I was like, dang, that sucks. I mean, it was a well-deserved vacation. Yeah, no, it felt good. It felt good to go on a vacation. It was awesome. And uh, so... You've got the uh, the scuff controller. We we've got the shop uh, with EGL, right? That's still a thing. Yeah, I mean, I haven't worked with EGL in a while, so I just have some old designs. Um, with my next team that I am joining, I'm definitely going to be releasing a lot more apparel. Uh, so it's going to be through a team, and then after, like, because this is a couple years down the line. Like right now with this team, I just want to try and make as much creative stuff as I can, see how well it does, see how the people respond to my apparel and how they're liking it. And if I feel like a couple years from now that I could go independent into the clothing, apparel and design area, I can, or business, I can just have it all on my own, have my own designs, own shirt, own it all and do all that. So that's, that's my end goal. Not my end goal, but like, that's my goal a couple years from now. But right now we're just kind of be testing and seeing how people respond to my apparel i like that idea you know just have somebody else print it you know you get all your graphics out there have them do all the the printing shipping all that stuff and if it takes off bring it all back into your own hands and that's a lot more revenue coming in uh an idea i've been toying with myself but startup costs uh a little tough for the machine i want it's only eighteen thousand dollars yeah it's it's only eighteen (laughs) thousand quick quick credit card swipe no, I'm just kidding. Now with that Apple card, you know, <laughs> put it on real quick. Yeah. Until you have to pay it back and you're like, oh, I don't want to yeah. pay this. And then, yeah, don't yeah, be smart with your finances, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, you heard it here first. <laughs> All right. That's not from, uh, from an old man giving you some life tips. There's a young dude who knows his shit. So eat that advice. Kind of. Kind of. I wouldn't say knows it too well, but, you know, figuring it out. There you go. <laughs> So outside of Call of Duty, what are uh, some accomplishments you're proud that you're proud of? Jesus, I can't talk. I try that again. <laughs> outside of Call of Duty, what are uh, some accomplishments that you're most proud of? Uh, most proud of outside of Call of Duty. It's hard to think about that. Like I don't really know what I've done outside of Call of Duty. Because everything's like intertwined with Call Call of Duty. Like whether it's YouTube or streaming. Um, I guess. I don't know. I don't really have any other outside <laughs> of like Call of Duty and gaming necessarily i mean it could be like other stuff like sports i used to play back in the day like winning some tournaments there um i don't really know any other side accomplishments because i'm waiting i'm having to wait to like do that when i'm retired in call of duty because i have to open my businesses and do all that do all this stuff and um but yeah right now i don't really know what like my accomplishments are outside of call of duty oh granted you're still really young too so yeah. there's not a whole lot of a uh, foundation for that question, but yeah, it's still something I like to ask. Yeah, no, it's definitely a good question. It gets you thinking for sure. And it gets you thinking about what you want to do and what you're going to do in the future. And, and I, I do like what you said too, that your accomplishments so far, you know, call of duty and gaming, 
but you kind of slipped into the future of you want to own businesses and you've kind of got this like path laid out for the future. So is that something that you often think about too? Like what's next for me? Like what if Call of Duty ended today and Activision for whatever reason pulled the plug on CDL and that's it. It's done. It's not going to happen. What's next for Attach? Um, I would definitely try and keep the brand going like the attached brand myself going in like content creation to start and then just kind of whatever that leads into uh whether it be apparel uh owning a team or anything really it just kind of depends where i end up when i decide to retire so it it all just it all just depends but uh, i'm definitely thinking about all the business as all the business aspects and everything uh for sure uh, is there like any one particular uh i don't want to say business to like to generalize but is there like one avenue that you can see yourself traveling down that you'd rather travel down other than as opposed to you know like experimenting or is it just like yeah we'll see what happens when the time comes yeah it's more so just seeing what happens when the time comes because i really think being in this like depending on where i'm at being in a certain spot the people who i'm around is really gonna depend on which businesses I want to like really get in the most and which I do the most, but that's down the line and I have to see where, how good I'm doing in certain areas leading up to that point. And then that will kind of set me off to wherever I'm going. All right. I like that. I like that. And is there anybody in your life that uh, you look up to as a role model that kind of like steers you in, uh, in these directions? Like, you know, I, I know your mom is a huge supporter and, uh, you know, I've seen her at Anaheim. I've seen her at champs and, you know, she's yeah. out there cheering for you, but yeah. is, is there somebody like her or even your mom, like that kind of, they let you do your own thing, but yeah. just kind of give you that nudge you need. Like, you know, that's probably not the best idea. Why don't you try this? Yeah. Um, definitely my mom and dad for, cause I feel like they, they had very good work, work ethics themselves. So I definitely learned a lot from them. Uh, and they still help me to this day. My mom's super supportive. My dad helps me with like all the, what well, literally whatever it may be travel logistics or, um, just money taxes, all the other stuff. So I'm really thankful for that. And I just kind of get inspirations from different people, whether it be people in the community that I've done this thing before people in a different business or industry that have done this thing. Um, it's all the same. It's all business. It's all growing a brand and taking it and making it as big as you can. So I'm definitely learning from just a bunch of people and I don't really have one set like person that I just always look up to. I'm definitely inspired by a ton of different people. I'm a man of culture. There you go, kids. That's, that's the way to do it. Like, yeah, we can have role models. I know I've got a couple, but yeah, absorb everything and anything you can like never stop learning never stop soaking it up yeah no try and get all the good and leave all the bad of whatever the person that you're looking up to is kind of done so kind of just learn from their mistakes and try and go with it exactly yeah i think i said that right <laughs> <laughs> i think i said that right i did like look up for a second i was like huh is that right um i'm gonna go back to uh some of your questions here uh, super professor or super underscore professor on Twitter. Uh, he asks, how much time did you spend as an amateur playing and how did that affect your education and social life? Um, I played, it depends. Cause I was like an amateur for a long time. Cause at first I was just playing casually with my friends. And then, uh, like I would probably play anywhere from like eight to like 12 hours a day. Like when I was <sighs> grinding, like if it was school day, I would just try and do all my homework in school. Uh, 
maybe look over someone else's homework if I missed it. Uh, just take take their schoolwork, copy it real quick. <laughs> I was just I was just on the crazy grind, and I was willing to do whatever it took to uh, get to where get to get to a professional level. So I did whatever I had to do. Um, but yeah, I was playing a lot. I was playing, yeah, like I said, eight to 12 hours a day as much as I could. And once you just have that, like, amount of time that you've put into it, like, it's just easy to keep putting that time in as your career goes on. And because you started so young, I mean, at, at the time you won the championship with uh, Denial, I think you were the youngest uh, world champion. Like, yeah. everything up to that point, like, what kind of sacrifices did you make in your personal life to get there? I mean, I know you said, you know, you played 8 to 12 hours a day, but on top of that, like, what are some of the things that you yeah. kind of missed out on or gave up to do this and to pursue this dream? Yeah, so I was in high school, and then my friends would always hit me up every weekend, like, oh, let's go hang out, let's go do something. And I would tell them I was sick every weekend for a year <laughs> straight because this was before and I kept it super low key. Like no one knew that I was like a trying to be a professional gamer in, in my school. Like and I wasn't even make, I didn't make it known. Like I wasn't telling people, oh yeah, I'm a gamer, all this stuff. Like my old friends I used to game with, they knew like I still played, but they didn't know how serious like I was playing. And so uh, just not hanging out with friends for a year. Uh, I mean, still not even hanging out with friends sometimes, just putting the time in as much as possible. And yeah, just not really having a social life while having a social life if you know <laughs> trying to yeah, like have yeah. the best one you could but it just kind of didn't happen so but that was just like some of the stuff i had to sacrifice and then uh going on vacations and some trips with some other like friends and family uh just not doing anything just focusing on the game and you when you were playing baseball like where was that deciding factor when you said well i can keep playing baseball or I can go take Call of Duty super seriously. Like, when was that moment? Like, when did you know? Like, that was the for sure thing to do. Um, it wasn't really my decision. It was kind of my decision by the way I was handling things. Uh, but when I was like a freshman in high school, I was like trying out for the baseball team. Mm -hmm. But I would literally every day, I would either get checked out like fifth period because baseball was six period and then we had lifting after. So I either got checked out every day before baseball and then go home and play call of duty or, <laughs> or uh, I would go to practice and then ditch lifting like after, like I would never go to both. Like I very rarely ever went to both. And so after I did that for like the trials for a month or two, however long it was, uh, they didn't, they, they cut me from the baseball team, which was like, I was like sad, but now looking back on it, I was like, I definitely deserve to be cut. I literally would practice <laughs> every single day. And so like looking back on it, I like, I was like, Oh yeah. Like, yeah, I just did practice every day. I deserve to be cut for sure. So it, it definitely paid off though with the gaming stuff. So I'm glad it did. So that was kind of the, the push I needed. But even after I stopped playing with high school, I went to play for another league for like a season or two. Yeah, I think like two seasons. And then I ended my last season. We won the championship. So I ended it right there. That's my baseball career ended. Damn, going out on a chip, that ain't a bad way to finish. Definitely not. Definitely not. But uh, it was it was fun to just do it on this side because I still loved baseball. It's my sport. I played it growing up. I played it for so long. So I, it was definitely sad missing it. But uh, knowing what I know now, like, it was better for me to just not have that distraction in my life of trying to play high school baseball because that would have been way too much. I probably wouldn't have been where I am now. So I'm super happy how everything turned out. And then, yeah. I'm happy though. I still got to play it until like 
Call of Duty just became way too much to like with traveling and stuff. So I couldn't play in that league anymore. But I'm happy that I was able to do that. I can imagine how much that is to balance, especially, you know, being in high school, you know, you got schoolwork, <laughs> lifting, practice, plus trying to game. That's just way too much shit. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy how everything turned out and I got cut because if I didn't, I don't know what it would what would have happened. So proud of myself for being able to ditch practice every day. <laughs> There's always a silver lining, folks. I think that's the uh, the takeaway from this. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, we got a couple more viewer questions. We're just going to get through quick. And then I got uh, a big one I want to ask myself. Uh, sure. Vision 8921. Question for Attach. How do you approach joining a new org? And I think that's more geared towards like when you're first starting out, because now like on the professional level, it's less, at least I would think less of yeah. you approaching teams saying, Hey, I want to join your team and more of teams coming to you saying, Hey, we want you on our team. Yeah. Approaching joining an org, starting out when you're like an amateur player, um, you definitely just want to get in contact with the player on the team first and whether you're friends with him or not, just Maybe you've seen him in a 10s lobby or 8s lobby, whatever it may be. Just try and like start playing with the team because amateur orgs, like the players definitely, I mean, it happens in pro to am orgs. So the players pretty much make all the decisions, like who they want to play with. The org doesn't really have too much of a say, especially in the amateur scene. Um, so just becoming friends with the players, knowing, having the players know that you're good and know that you possess the talent to be able to be a top level player and then take the team to the next level. And then if you know orgs, yeah, reaching out to orgs and being that player that like the franchise player for that organization that they know, like you have the talent to blow up one day, become a pro player. And so connecting with them, because having an org is a super powerful thing too. People are always going to want to join it. Players that have an org that can help with some funding compared to a team where they have to pay for everything by themselves. That's just how it works. Mm -hmm. so having an org by your side that believes in you or just being able to get on an org because of your talents with some other players is the best way to do it. And to, uh, to kind of double up on that, uh, Sal Garza, Garza Beats on Twitter. Uh, his yeah. question is, how would you define the best Call of Duty player in the world? But to tack onto his question, what, what do you think separates an amateur from a pro? Uh, defining the best Call of Duty player in the world, it has to be consistency over the years, uh, over the, like, the seasons of Call of Duty, because Call of Duty is a game that changes every year. It's one of the only, if not, if the only esport that changes every year, which is kind of crazy. Um, but just being consistent, being able to adapt and learn the new game and be one of the top players. Like, yes, every it's nice to be able to shoot straight, hit crazy shots and do all that. But there's a handful of people that have immense talent that could all shoot as straight as each other, all hit crazy shots like each other. And it may only be a handful, but they can still do that. And so what separates them is the actual like strategy behind the game and being able to adapt and making your team the best team it could be, making yourself the best player you could be, just being consistent. Like the flashy plays are awesome for sure. But what matters more is being the best team in the game and getting the top placings and winning. All right. I like that, especially, you know, with Call of Duty, like you said, changing every year. Hopefully yeah. with CDL, we might be able to lock this in as a uh, modern warfare, maybe two year cycle, considering everything with sledgehammer. Maybe. But we'll see. We'll maybe. see how that goes. That's that's not our decision to make. But yeah, um, re regarding Living? teams. I'm sorry, there go was ahead. another question, right? I'm pretty sure there was another question. What do you say? Yeah. Uh, so compares, oh, differences between amateur to a pro. Exactly. Um, literally the difference between amateur to a pro is like a lot of amateurs can shoot straight. Like it's not hard to play call of duty for years and years and years. 
yeah, a good shot. Cause like a lot of people have done it and a lot of people are still going to do it to this day. And there's going to be some super talented players that we find out about in the next year. And just the future of call of duty. That's just how it works. But the difference is that some pro that pros just know how to play the game situationally better. They know when to play fast. They know when to play slow. They know what they have to do in every situation. Whereas some amateurs just kind of think I'm going to go run in here and try and gun everyone. And that's just not <laughs> always the best play. Sometimes you got to do it, but sometimes the best play is to wait, wait for your team and make a push together and the players and the teams that can consistently make the right play together are going to be the best players in team. I like that answer. Go down the play. Think tactically. Don't just try to be a, uh, a world star clip hitter. Every, uh, every map, you know, it's definitely important to hit some clips here and there, but you don't want to <laughs> make the best decision depending on the scenario. And we don't want to have uh, everybody out here trying to be like simp hitting those uh, three pieces. Yeah. Yeah, no, he did. He did it right. He has a nasty team, and he was getting clips. So it's like the best of both worlds. It was yeah, like it's... an Optic One Vegas. Like Dashy was frying, getting all the clips, and they won. So it's like best of both worlds. If you're getting clips and you're winning, like it doesn't get better than that. That's that's an org owner's dream. <laughs> yeah, you got to find the perfect median. Uh, let's see, Ecker. I hope I didn't butcher that. Eker, uh, it's Eker. Eker three two one. Thank you. Uh, their question what do you enjoy most about streaming and what advice can you give someone hoping to grow their stream uh the thing about streaming is probably the most enjoyable it's definitely just connecting with people just because i've never met i've well, i've met some of the people i've met some of the people on my stream for sure but usually when i when you first start out streaming you don't meet anyone and hopefully you meet like your supporters one day and it's just crazy to make a connection of people that you've never met before but they are always joining your stream always watching you always supporting you it's just it's awesome to just make that connection and like be able to game because if i was just gaming all day like it gets boring if you're just gaming by yourself so it's kind of like keeps me entertained i need to keep people entertained in a way so it's really fun and i would say meeting people and just building a connection building a community is definitely the best part of streaming for me and to grow your stream it's definitely about finding the game you love whatever game that may be and then trying to stand out in it like make why should people I always ask you always have to ask yourself like why should people watch your stream compared to watching someone else's why should people watch your videos why should people follow you instead of following other people like you have to ask yourself that and then figure it out but definitely being consistent obviously we're going to play a popular game definitely that's another good way but um you just want to stay consistent try and be different in a way try and be interactive with chat um that's a big one and yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, you can do giveaways and stuff to bring some more people in, but just staying consistent and being interactive with the chat helps a ton. I think with uh, giveaways too, like the big thing to remember there, you might see a large influx of, you know, followers, viewers, but once the giveaway is done, get yeah. ready for that to taper off and drop off. Oh, definitely. Definitely. The build, the build up hype to it is great because everyone mm -hmm. wants to win free stuff, but after it ends, you're going to see a couple hundred viewers leave. You're going to see, subs go down but that's just how it is so it's a it's a grind streaming is a grind and it's uh it's just non-stop you have to keep doing it consistently i think uh another good example too is like ninja i, I forget what event it was but he didn't stream for two days and he lost like a few thousand subs yeah. granted you know he they, they resubbed eventually but at the time yeah, two days still fine but yeah it's just how that's just how it is like we go away for a tournament for five days that's we're gonna lose a lot of subs I, that's just how the game is so with streaming it's just a constant grind an everyday thing 
and you just got to be super consistent at it or you're never going to grow. And that's one thing I'm trying to be. I'm trying to be more consistent. Uh, but with all the traveling and the off season, it's, it's been tough to be super consistent. So I try to stream every day that I'm home. I believe it. Yeah. Especially like you said, with all the traveling you're doing and even like myself, I stream, but trying to keep the same schedule, life happens, you know, and there's just going to be some roadblocks that you can't get over, but try to stick to that schedule. That's so clutch. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Uh, with CDL slowly starting to leak out player signings and such, if you could build your perfect team, regardless of organization or uh, who you're playing for, if you could pick five starters and two subs, who would they be and why? Uh, I'd probably have to go with like Slasher and Kenny to start just because they've been uh, two of the most consistent players out of the past two seasons. Um, Slasher and Kenny to start. Then I have to pick up Accuracy because he's been really consistent ever since he finally got good. And, uh, so that's and then myself obviously and then probably another sub player like a uh like uh simp tj it kind of depends like somewhere around that like simp or tj-ish player i can't really decide but i'll just say i'll say simp yeah um, so five. <laughs> and then for subs i mean i don't know i don't really know who i would get for subs because like obviously i want to i want to get the best subs possible but tier one players are going to be started on another roster so with subs it doesn't I'm not really like. Yeah, that's true. Subs. I mean, even with the the starting five right there, that's that's like God Squad right there. Yeah, no, definitely. Jesus, a couple, a couple of really good squads that are gonna get built, especially with the CDL. And I, I know uh, you know you've got things in the works, but throwing all that out the window, if every team were to throw a contract on your lap right now, strictly on location, where would you sign? Um. Like, would you want to stay low? When does this, this podcast come out? Um, Monday. Um, I'm, the, what, the I was signed to the place where I did sign. <laughs> and that's all I can say. <laughs> so does that mean uh, between today and Monday, we're going to get a, uh, an announcement? I'm, I'll cut all this. Nah, uh, nah, nah, nah. A little bit later. Okay. A little all right. bit later. But uh, the, the place I did sign, you guys will find out soon, is the only place I wanted to play. I'm not the only place, but the main place I wanted to play. Okay. All right. Hopefully it's at least uh, a warm place. I know uh, one of these places, it's, uh, it gets pretty cold up there. But man, they yeah. got an awesome facility up in uh, Minnesota forming. Oh, yeah, they do. It's actually, it's crazy. I, I really like what they're doing out there. They have a ton of space, a ton of land. And so you're going to be training with the NFL players. And that's, that's dope. Uh, it's sick to just be able to go to a, an, a, a pretty much a training facility every day, get a good workout in, play COD for the next 10 hours, 12 hours, and you're good. But that's, it's awesome what they have up there in Minnesota. And I think uh, Envy's trying to do something similar down in uh, Texas. I think like as soon as CDL was announced, Hastro was like, that's it. Whatever players we sign, you're coming to Dallas. You're going to be on site. No bullshit about missing scrims, this and that. Yeah. So I, I think he's kind of going that same route. And uh, fingers crossed that once they put the job postings up, they pull my resume off the shelf. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Graves and the Graves needs to get picked up. You heard it Andrew here, folks. Been <laughs> campaigning hard for Envy, but uh, we'll see. Um, so side coach, I, I didn't know this was a thing and, uh, I, I didn't realize this until someone ran the command in your chat, but, uh, let's talk about side coach, what it is and what you do on this website. 
Uh, SciCoach is pretty much a coaching website for anything. It could be for cooking. It could be for gaming. It could be for wrestling. That's the, like Origins Wrestling. Uh, it could literally just coaching for whatever it needs to be. And for me in particular, it's gaming, uh, Call of Duty. So people will pretty much send clips in, like a five to 10 minute gameplay. And I will just watch it, review it, tell them where they could have, what they could have done better. And there's just tons of plays you can look over and see uh, when people send it. And like, even when I go back and look at my gameplay from the day that I've scrimmed or whatever, I could see tons of mistakes that I could have made. And it's just, it's just like the small things, like throwing a cluster better in this situation, uh, taking your time in the situation, waiting for your team. This situation, you should, you got all the kills. You got to go play faster. Like there's just so much that goes into it and everyone's going to make a mistake. There's not one perfect player. It's not even close with Call of Duty, the way it works. So you, there's tons of mistakes you can make and it's good to have someone point it out to you. And uh, so you can learn and just kind of build off that. So is it strictly just like reviewing clips or can they get like one-on-one sessions with you and like, uh, you just know, reviewing clips for now. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I was going to uh, sign up and say, hey, let's get in this bot lobby and uh, tell me where I'm screwing up. But even that with reviewing clips, I mean, I've got yeah, reviewing clips is definitely the most effective way to improve. I've got a hard drive full of clips that uh, <laughs> I got you. Don't worry. I, I, I'd be ashamed at showing you any of these clips and getting that critique. Like, I, I can just picture yeah. you sitting there face palming hard like this fucking uh, guy. Everyone starts somewhere. Everyone everyone starts somewhere. So we'll right. build it up. We'll build you up. I like it. I got to get to, uh, was it sidecoach.com? Is that the, uh, the site? Yes, sidecoach.com. All right. And we'll have all these links in the uh, description below. Um, both, since this is going to go on YouTube, hopefully. Um, I think my webcam's been kind of glitching out back and forth. So if you guys can deal with that and you made it this far, cool. All the links are going to be down below to all the socials. Side coach. I made it this far. Let's get it. Thank you, guys. We're, what, uh, almost <laughs> an hour deep-ish, give or are take? It's going by fast. Yeah, yeah. No, we're breezing through. Mm. Um, so I don't know if you've listened to any of the, the previous episodes, but um, with Clay, one of the things that he brought up, uh, he had a big tip for all the aspiring players and even current players too, uh, hand stretching. And he shared this video. I think it's like a six to 10 minute video of different hand stretches. Um, if there's any tip that you have you know, besides the hand stretching for current or even aspiring players to like stay at the top of their game, what would it be? Um, definitely stretching is important. So you don't have injuries that you're not, your body isn't riddled with injuries when you're done playing five, 10 years from now. So stretching is important. Uh, make sure you're stretching your lower back and your hands out. Cause like when you're sitting all day and usually gamers are like crouched over, like I know I am. So stretching your lower back is very important. So you don't have serious problems. But other than that, just making sure your vision's good. Cause that's huge. Uh, making sure when you're playing, your mind is clear, like whatever issues, stress problems you're going through, try and get it figured out or, and know when you're playing, like just focus on playing and just don't try to get, try not to let any other thoughts into your head, except for improving what you got to do in this scenario and just, being a good player so you because once once things starts getting into your head then another thought then another thought and then you're just kind of like overloaded and you really just can't focus on just playing so just focus on just playing and making the right plays and uh doing what you gotta do to win and to to go back to the you know the the clear headspace how do you handle toxicity and not you know just you know from other teams or our teammates but like from the community 
if you get a negative comment or, you know, someone's just trying to like tear you down because people love to do that just to hear themselves talk. How do you yeah. take that and put it aside to keep yourself focused on the main task at hand? Because I know that's very, very easier said than done for yeah, a lot no, of people. Definitely. It happens to everyone. Like everyone. Sometimes the little things, little comments, little side comments will get into people's head that people say. So you honestly just got to say F it, F them. And just focus on you. Like, you just have to forget about it. Like, let people talk. Let them say what they want to say. But at the end of the day, like, this is your career. This is your legacy that you're building. So you got to do what you got to do and try to block out every other no every other comment, noise, whatever it may be, whether it's positive or negative, no matter how good or bad it is, just block it out. Because if you start thinking, if you start getting a ton of positive comments, you're like, oh, I'm so good. I love myself. And, like, you can mess yourself up by doing that too. Whereas you can also mess yourself up as if you get a bunch of negative comments and you're like, everyone hates me. I suck. Like both, both things are going to mess you up eventually. So just keep me a clear head, whether you're getting a lot of gas or a lot of not gas. <laughs> Don't really focus on what they're saying. Just let the gameplay do the talking for the most part. Yeah, one of the analogies I like is uh, horse racing and uh, the blinders that they put on the horses. Yeah. Give, give yourself, you know, the, the metaphorical blinders and block out the bullshit and focus. Yeah. Don't worry about everybody else. Worry about you, your team. Get shit done. Yeah, that's the only thing that matters. Only thing that matters. Um, so, I mean, you, you've done a lot in, I don't want to say your short career, but it's been what, uh, let me look at my dates here. Um, five years? Five, yeah, five, six Four, years. Yeah. yeah, five, yeah. Bobby, six, yeah. I think if, you know, we're, we're talking from strictly a professional level, but, uh, I mean, you've got plenty of years ahead of you. So this yeah, is kind of a definitely. loaded question. Yeah. But how, how do you think people will remember you and double up on it? How would you like to be remembered? Like once, you know, you hang the sticks up for the last time when you walk away, how do you want people to, to remember that name attach? Um, Definitely is one of the people that cared about the community and wanted to see it grow and still be able for people to get into the community and have a career later on for the future generations. But then also one of the best players um, like ever, which I definitely need to work on because I kind of fell off track for a couple seasons, which is letting other stuff get into my mind and not winning as much as I should have and not caring about and putting the, as much time as in, in as I should have been. Uh, so that's one of the things, but definitely just showing that you're never like, you're never out. Like whenever I'm down, whether it be 249 to zero, like I'm still coming back and getting 250. So like this person that never gave up, never quit no matter what happens. And then also one of the, uh, one of the best. So I'm glad I learned and I've experienced what I have, uh, up until this point and I'm ready to just make everything better. Cause I think like the broad, I haven't even hit the like, peak or the even close to the brightest points of my career yet you're just getting started man five years yeah. that's that's a drop in the bucket yeah so i'm really happy i learned what i learned i learned now which i wish i would have known back then but <laughs> it's a everything's a learning experience so i'm glad i still have a lot more years and a lot more time and opportunity to submit my name as one of the best oh you know what they say hindsight's 2020 right yep uh, so if, if we can take the, uh, AW champs aside, what would be your one most favorite moment in, uh, in gaming? Um, favorite moment probably have to be either 
I don't know, because I had some crazy wins in AW. We had the the time where we reverse swept Epsilon in losers finals in a best of seven. So we won four maps straight, and then we went on to play Optigan finals in two best of sevens, and we won four, one, four, one. That was pretty awesome, because that's just kind of like unheard of people winning a best of seven tournament by reverse sweeping a team in losers finals. But then we did it again in World War II. <laughs> so it was actually kind of funny. Like we were down in losers finals versus LG. We were down 0-2, won three maps straight. Then we played Optic and had the crazy, one of the craziest series in Call of Duty history versus them, the first series. And then we ended up winning it. So it either has to be between season three playoffs in AW or World War II uh, playoffs. So I probably have to say... I don't know. It's like tied for me, but probably World War II playoffs <laughs> just because it was a bigger tournament, a bigger stage. And yeah, probably World War II playoffs. And I forgot AW had a uh, best of sevens. Yeah. Lord. yeah it like randomly had best of sevens some tournaments. It was really weird. Really weird. But uh, hey, we, we didn't give up. <laughs> no matter what, down 0-3, down 0-3 versus Epsilon in losers finals and somehow came back to win that. That was mind blowing. And then we were playing off again in that game. We just had their number. So we were just stupid confident. Once we beat Epsilon made the comeback, we already knew we were winning the tournament. Oh man. Unpopular opinion. AW is the best jetpack game. That's, that's my take. Yeah, no, uh, I think for entertainment, for strictly competitive gameplay, I think it's the best one for entertainment purposes. I think black ops three is the overall best one for like public matches and snd tournaments and stuff but i feel like aw was just so entertaining to watch strictly for like c competitive gameplay for yeah. sure it was just like crazy like the movement that, that you could do and stuff and there wasn't specialists and wall runs it was just like straight up like skill so that's that was that was that felt good it was all boost jumping and uh yeah. what, what the hell was the slam they had there it wasn't grab oh, slam but nah, well, yeah, i forgot what it was called oh god now i'm gonna boot that up even though they nerfed the hell out of the bell but yeah, no, I haven't played AW since the last tournament of it, so it's been a while. <laughs> been a while. Yeah, I've heard a lot's changed, and uh, I'm afraid to boot it up, but yeah. maybe we'll do that after dinner tonight. But hey, Dylan, <laughs> thank you so much for, uh, for coming on, man. I know you're super busy, so thank you so much for uh, giving me a lot of your time today. And yeah, again, for the jersey, bro. That You course. didn't have to do that. <laughs> I really appreciate the hell out of it, man. Thank you so much. You you have the uh, perfect, the perfect boxes to put jerseys in, like the perfect frames. So I need to get a bunch of those frames. You taught me how to, you taught me and showed me those. So it's the least I could do. Twenty five bucks on Amazon. I think they have a bigger hey, one too, idea. but twenty five bucks, you can't beat that. Yeah. But uh, before we wrap this up, is there anything you want to plug? Anything coming up? Anything you want to promote? Uh, stream since you know it's September. Um. Yeah. Pro probably just my Twitch stream. Twitch dot tv forward slash attached. My Twitter. Twitch. Twitter dot Twitter dot com forward slash attached. Instagram dot com forward slash attached. Uh. Pretty much just attached everywhere. YouTube everywhere. So just check me out on all social medias. We're gonna have some fun, especially with the upcoming season. We're gonna make it be making a lot of content in my new city, and I'm excited for uh, everything that's about to come in this next season. It's about to be a great one. Uh. Shout out to Graves once again for having me. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you. All right, well, guys, this has been uh, episode one, season two of The Profile. We're going to wrap this up here, and uh, we will see you guys next time.